<laughs> How you are doing today? Hi. I'm fine. My name is Serge, and how can I help you? Um, yeah, I'm looking for Miss Jenny Summers. It's very busy today. Maybe you give me your name? My name is Axel Foley. And uh, what is pertaining? I didn't understand what you said. Pertaining, what it's meaning, regarding. Oh, what's it regarding? I'm an old acquaintance of hers. Donay? One moment. Donay Brennan tell me Summers that uh, Mr. Ahmed Foley is here to no, see. Axel Foley. Axel. Ahmed, Ahwell. Axel. Foley is here to see her. He's an old acquaintance. Donny, this is covered this up. It's I'm like sorry. the breast of a dog to scrub for the customer. It's not sexy, it's animal. No, it's not sexy at all. Now, a few something to drink, a wine, a cocktail, a, a espresso. No, I'm fine, thank you. Let's make it to myself right back there with a little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. No, I'm, I'm fine. I see you look at this piece. Yeah, I was wondering how much something like this went for. $130,000. Get the fuck out of here! No, no, I cannot. It's serious because it's very important piece. Have you ever sold one of these? Sell it yesterday to a collector. Get the fuck out of here! serious, I said it myself. Welcome to the revamped Marcus Played. We're looking at Mount Rushmore movies of some sort of theme or some sort of, you know, through line or whatever it is that we've decided. I've decided, I guess. Say, don't be dismissive. Like, First month out, you've decided. So, you know, oh. have some positivity about your selection. I wanted to try to make it. I mean, every everything has to go through the Deniston approval process anyways. So it, it, I don't want to like make I want to make sure everybody knows how this really works behind the scenes. It's like you submit your waiver form. <laughs> <laughs> Someone at the government level has to mm. stamp the approval. It's a little bit, yeah. uh, I would say it's expedited because it's just a text message and it's sure. Yeah. Or sure. Yeah. A little less red tape, but yeah. nonetheless, the approval process is there. And you have graciously uh, decided to yeah. stop talking about white people. Yeah. Leave uh, Kevin Costner in the backseat. Let's talk well, about one of the great, let's be fair, great movie stars. Kevin Costner is only in the backseat until. The uh, next season premieres of Yellowstone. Then the build up to that, I can assure you, uh, you or I will make a Kevin Costner uh, Mount Rushmore uh, in that that month. But that's not now. So uh, yeah, Eddie Murphy. You did bring up, uh, I guess, on that note that uh, he does have, I guess, what constitutes a big release in COVID times, uh, going straight to streaming. So we will Amazon Prime, baby. We will be leading up to. Uh, Is it getting any sort of theatrical release coming to America too? I I don't know with uh with with Amazon because I know some of them are doing that, uh, like the you know the HBO Max stuff. We'll, we'll right. get the uh, theatrical release as well. But uh, I just checked today because you know I don't I don't think I've announced on this feed, but uh, you know I did recently go through my bout with. COVID, which meant I sat at home, uh, thankfully, and just watched a lot of movies. Um, Did you get sick at all? Cough. Uh, that's uh, And I know you went through it uh, in the last summer, I feel like. October. I, uh, I, 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 I'm a survivor from October. Survivor from October. Well, uh, because there are podcasts that I think I just now edited that we record in October, uh, and cutting out your, your coughs, uh, that's what I've been going through. Um, so I recorded with Webb for Trilogy in Theory, which was fine because he does all the editing. 
but the shows I'm editing, I'm really hating COVID, which I know is a, uh, <laughs> it's like a low on the totem pole of what wow. could happen. Uh, but <laughs> it- <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people are dying and Mike's like fucking COVID <laughs> and this editing shit. <laughs> I'm just putting it in the context of podcasting. That's what, you know, people are listening Very to a podcast. Of you. I like yeah. it. Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's in the past now. I hope. I mean, we were recording this two days before possible another attack on our capital, but I'm hoping in the future everything went well. Um, I got my bear suit ready. Um, all right. Where to start with? <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. The big moneymaker. Like, Eddie Murphy bursts on the scene, 1984. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I, I will admit, uh, I had seen this before. I, I like this a lot. As a, as a kid, I remember liking one and two a lot and giving them repeat yeah. watches. And I watched the third one, I think one time at a drive in. And even as a kid, cause I wasn't even, a, I wasn't even a teenager when that one came out, I could feel the drop off. And you know, usually as a kid, you're just like, if you're seeing the same actors, the same characters you like, you're just happy to be there. And I distinctly remember the third one thinking like, ah, this is, there's no need for this. I'm going to go back to one and two. Uh, but I didn't watch the second one. I only watched the first one for this discussion. So it's been the the second one, even though it's Tony Scott, it still has that glimmer of childhood memories. I probably couldn't reference it with any sort of intelligence now. Oh, I can I can recite that movie front to back. So if you are these this in this series in particular, is this something that you revisited as an adult like multiple times? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Particularly the first two, just like okay. you. You know, I I saw the third one one time, and I'm like, ooh, let's just. You know, it's kind of like Ghostbusters. You know, mm. you see Ghostbusters, and then you watch the, the the remake thing that they just did, and you're like, "Ooh, I, you know, just because they messed it up doesn't mean I don't have the originals to to kind of put my arms around." And that's <laughs> that was that's what I did. This was a very popular podcast topic that month of the uh, the ladies Ghostbuster <laughs> squad. Very divisive, ruining my memories. Um, Get out of here! You still got the original. But going back to Eddie Murphy, I thought, but I did not, uh, even with all of my COVID movie watching, because I, I didn't want to get too distracted with our Mount Rushmore selection. So here's a little bit of a hint, the way we've kind of staged this, is that uh, we are kind of going through them chronologically. So we're starting with the, the sort of arrival of a new movie star, the sort of the, okay. the people's champ, with by going based off box office numbers before we get to our selections uh, in episodes two and three. Um but I thought, should I go back and watch 48 Hours? Because I've not seen any of that. Was it? I watched that for the first time so two about of them, a month ago. Right? That one? 48 Hours. another 48 Hours? Is it just the two? I haven't watched the second okay. one yet. So I don't I don't have any point of reference for him. I guess technically that was his break into the theatrical movie market. But you know, Beverly Hills Cop is him solo without without Nolte, without him a two-hander. The, st- the, the wattage, the star power of Nolte. <laughs> Which I'm sure at the time he, he might have been, yeah, some star power. But um, now he's considered all, all. Every time you think of Nolte, you, you throw up that mug shot. I think it kind of fits him, you know his his persona. Uh, you know, I've never watched him in like Prince of Tides where he's boning Streisand like you know for two hours or whatever. But um, I think if you're gonna get old, the way Nolte did it is fine by me. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's just a Oof. a big bear now. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird to see him, you know, like that. But I watched Forty Eight Hours for the first time a few months ago, and uh, you kind of see the the beginnings of it. You know, the the raspy voice, the liquor, all this stuff. It's it almost is, it seems like very method acting that he's doing. Now there. with Murphy, can you see him 
is it clear that he's, you know, he's the star, even though he's, you know, he's on the come up from someone that had been around like Nolte at the time. But is it clear watching it that, you know, it's going to be, you know, Murphy's time very soon? I think so. Honestly, I think so because you, you could see that snappy delivery that he has. It, 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 that can't be on the page. You know what I mean? Like it's a very much, uh, improvisational sort of snappy delivery that he gives. It feels so natural because it, it genuinely is him just being funny. I mean, it's, it's very widely known that a lot of the dialogue in, in Eddie Murphy's movies, particularly early in his career, when you talk about like Beverly Hills Cop or 48 Hours, all these other movies, he's very much, okay, there's a script. And then there's this dude showing up and just being the funniest guy on the planet. It was interesting, though, rewatching this, I guess, really for the first time as an adult. Uh, I had it in my head that, like, oh, this was probably very Will Smith-like. Because you mentioned in the last episode, Bad mm. Boys. Uh, how, how, what are we doing here, <laughs> sir? Well. what 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 is the connection? <laughs> I mean, there's not. I mean, other than the fact that they're both black, there's really not a lot of connection, I think, personality wise i do think Mm-mm. it's interesting that they got their i guess movie breaks uh in comedy slash action movies where they play cops um now i did have that comparison in my head because you know the recency bias is you know it's clear with will smith that um being a teenager in the 90s that you would see will smith movies like him or not men in black bad boys what have you you would see him kind of playing the similar, uh, you know, the hero role, but the smart ass, the guy that's always got a quip. Yeah. The coolest guy in the room. Yeah. Uh, and I like, I think the matrix is the prime example of the, like, you know, and he's even said in interviews, like the one that got away because he was offered the yes. Neo part and he want to, he wanted to, um, uh, inject some of that Will Smith persona into it. And they're like, mm, that's not really what we're trying to do here with him. I guess quipping, uh, as they pull, you know, the fucking cord Can you imagine skull. that? Like Neo, yeah. you know, doing no, the... Uh, no. I mean, you know, well, I was about to say something. I probably shouldn't, but I was about to say the balls on the Wachowskis at the time for just... For just this is where I edited in the crickets. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I still could because it's a ballsy move. At the time, they're coming off a of bound and they're telling this guy uh, who at the time... Like Eddie Murphy is the biggest movie star on the planet. If you're coming off of yeah, uh, Independence Day, Bad Boys, Men in Black, doing another sci-fi movie from Warner Brothers, and they're saying, no, we're not going to accept you in this. We're going to go with Keanu Reeves. Nothing against Keanu Reeves, but coming off of Johnny Mnemonic, you know, not, not one-to-one. Is it today like Johnny Mnemonic Day? Today? I is there a Johnny the Mnemonic Day? Well, today is the day that Johnny Mnemonic... Is set in. Wow, I, d- I didn't know that people would recognize that. Like Back to the Future, I get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Johnny Mnemonic. Anyway, we were talking about the uh, testicular fortitude of the <laughs> Wachowskis. Oh, the Wachowskis. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. Um, at- Let's focus here. This is how Bever- this is how uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy wants to be enshrined in the in the hallowed halls of uh, Marcus. Okay, Plain. I'll play him a- pay him a compliment. Then I had it in my head that Beverly Hills Cop was similar to to that maybe leaning more comedically certainly than bad boys because uh they're will smith his version of a cop he is he's not necessarily the funny one in that dynamic he's the more stoic one he says some funny things uh and 
I was kind of surprised watching it now at how fairly straightforward they play it. He's very funny, but it's not like he just comes in and does a comedy routine. I think uh, right. Yeah, you you have he throws the the tough guy thing out there quite a bit. Like yeah, you have the the um, scene in the strip club where he you know he says hey this is something bad's about to go down and there's no quips. During that, as he's explaining no. to them the situation that's about to get violent. Particularly when he, when he like, uh, uh, addresses the big bad, Victor Maitland, he gets very serious. This is a very nice place, Vic. Hi. I like this. This is nice. Glad you like it. I must make you remember. You know, Victor, I know that you're into a lot of crooked shit. And I have a pretty good idea that you had Mikey killed. And when I find out for sure, I'm going to fuck you up real bad. Is that so? Now listen to me, my tough little friend. I don't know from under what stone you crawled or where you get these ridiculous ideas about me. But it seems painfully obvious you haven't the slightest fucking idea who you're dealing with. Now, my advice to you is... Crawl back to your little stone in Detroit before you get squashed. He like leans very heavily into I'm the tough guy, I'm in your ass, and I'm I'm here to, to cause business. Think of like it's impressive because someone um like people are coming coming after um Eddie Murphy, like uh Dennis Leary, uh Chris Rock, because those are guys that have Certain contexts, they still are in the comedy genre, but they have, they've had a gun in their hands in some of their feature films, but they come from a stand up world and they never broke away from still being, still having the rhythms, the way they deliver their dialogue. Yeah. I'm doing stand up material. Eddie Murphy, you're right. Here, there's shades of it because he's a naturally funny guy, but he's also playing a character. Like he's playing, like he, reacts at times when it calls for being serious or for being pissed off he's not trying to work in an unnecessary quip there and it's right i don't do you think it's a product of its time of the you know the, the 80s where it's i think it's a product of his skill okay. honestly i mean i think he has that talent to be able to like know when to dial it back a notch you know when to when to really hit the rev you know and, and when when to pull it back I, I i give the credit to him I mean, considering the fact that we're giving him a lot of credit for the improvisational nature of his dialogue mm-hmm. and, and the humor and the banana and the tailpipe and all this nonsense, for him to be able to just, you know, lay on the script, whether it's on the page or not, for him to just really settle down and emote like that, I think it's a credit to that dude, man. So the script uh, could have, did you read that this could have gone very differently? Yeah, with Stallone <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> like um i mean i guess you still keep the title and the concept but that is getting into um what sounds like pure commando style there's probably some well from what i read they they reworked stallone's ideas into cobra so you can kind of see the renegade cop Mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff and okay which cobra's a reasonably beloved movie you know it's got that nostalgic so i I, my co-host that true romance probably you know Worships at the altar of that thing because it's super eighties, but Cobra's no nobody's talking about Cobra when they bring up Beverly Hills Cop. Well, also, I mean, I'm just looking at the the numbers here. Like, 
and I know you you love this, like because you want to get into the like let's let's flatten it out so we can judge you know, movies from different time periods. So uh, on Wikipedia here it says adjusted for inflation is the third highest grossing already behind the Godfather time. and uh, the Exorcist. Exorcist, yeah, yeah, that is impressive. That this is number three and already. I, I, I do like this. So I, I, I let me ask you this tangent real quick. Okay. Are, where are you on the adjusted for inflation thing? Like tickets bought. Mm. I don't. I, I, I like in sports. I tend to just judge um, the athletes, or I guess in this case the films, uh, against their competition. You, you have to play the the schedule ahead of you. you. You can't say, "Well, okay, your strength of schedule is weak." Well, I mean, what were they supposed to do about that? Um, the reason being because if you're talking about it's interesting just for a discussion here uh, to put it in context of just how popular it was. The problem, of course, is you know. Um, well, especially post COVID, we have no idea what the numbers are going to look like historically, right, if they'll yeah. ever reach like Avengers in game level again. Um, but the other thing is, you know, what modern films have had to butt up against and why their ticket sold never looks that great is because look at the ways you can consume movies now. Whereas in the old days, if you wanted to catch something again, uh, especially pre TV, you had to wait for the revival. You had to wait for Gone with the Wind to come back around the second time, third time. You know, are we counting the amount of plays that something gets streaming now to add on to that? Or, you know, if I pull, I've got a steelbook copy of Commando here on my shelf. That's not getting counted as a play. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, it's just depending yeah, no. on how you want to look at it. There's, It's just going to be know, hard to gauge. You bring up that point. Yeah, you, you bring up the point of, of the other methods of consumption. This movie is one of, like, the three VHS tapes that my dad owned when we first got our VHS player, our VCR. And... That thus, I've watched this thing way too many times. I remember particularly the strip club scene was very formative for me. You know, nasty girl playing in the background by Vanity. I, I where's uh, have, I may have that song on my phone. Where's Derek Stewart of the Grand Gesture? Is he going to make an appearance this month? Because I know there's no. Oh, he is. I refuse to, to talk about my because you know we've you know let's make sausage here in front of everybody. We've discussed sort of the format is like, okay, there's the, there's the big successful version mm-hmm. of whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? It, money. Then there's my choice. Then there's your choice. And then there's that last piece. Mm-hmm. However, we frame right. that as well. I think it's critical success as long as it's not Shrek. Um, Which, you know, we shouldn't have to worry too much about that, but yes. Uh, yeah, I have an expectation that I will be hearing from my co-hosts, uh, there because I've already heard enough about it off mic. You basically could have recorded that and released like an extra long episode on most assuredly on what your choice is going to be. Uh, but I, I, this is the strangest compliment or insult I can pay that man is that when that strip club scene was going on, that song was playing, I thought directly of him. I'm like, oh, this seems like his dream environment. Hi, can I get you some? Yes, oh, I'm having a great time. Can I have a scotch and soda? And the brothers, they, what you want? Like uh, light beers for the fellas. Two club sodas. <laughs> Yo, crack me up, man, with this on duty shit. Billy! Billy, you know, you don't have to be embarrassed if your dick gets hard. But your dick is supposed to get hard, see? That's the whole object of this. Tagger's dick is hard, but he won't let you know because he's the boss. The boss dick got to stay limp, right? Yeah, I ain't on duty, so my dick can be hard. I mean, remove the guys coming with the guns to, to jack the place. Yeah, but, ruining the party. But yeah. before that, this seems like the world that he wants to live in. An odd duck, that one, because he's much younger than both of us. Is he really? Is is he that much younger than us? Uh, he's 
he's at least five, six years younger than me, at least. Uh, you're five, six years yeah. younger than me. So, oh man. He also has a big hang up for Elizabeth Taylor, though. So, you know, he 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 crosses the generational divide. He goes he goes beyond us, I believe. So did Michael Jackson. Good company. Clip? Is there a clip here of Eddie Murphy hanging out with Michael Jackson? <laughs> I don't think we got anything. <laughs> And you, you mentioned that when you talk about Beverly Hills Cop that uh, you hadn't watched it in a long mm-hmm. time. Um, for me, obviously, it's a very repeat watch, formative. Talk about the VAC, VCR and all that stuff. Um, and previously, we talked about North by Northwest. And obviously, there's not as big of a gap. And this still does feel relatively modern modern filmmaking. But do you see the seams in this movie? Like I saw the seams in Northman Northwest, mm-hmm. not just in the storytelling, but also in the, I mean, the filmmaking, the technology just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Do you actively see the seams of this movie or are you just along for the ride? I actually think that it pivots sometimes where my memory or, you know, the, uh, the competition of the time or maybe what came a few years uh, down the road, um, would kind of fall into the traps. In this case, the traps, is the dynamic between um, our outsider cop um, versus the you know the rest of the the force, uh, the powers that be, uh, the the middle management trying to keep him in line, and there's a little bit of that here, uh, certainly because he's a Detroit cop coming to Beverly Hills, coming to California to solve this personal crime. Uh, I expected there to be more combativeness uh, between uh, the, the cops, the local cops, and him, right. And there's a little bit of that, uh, but it's a reasonable pushback as far as what are you doing? Because what he does, he, you know, he goes rogue. He just, when he has a lead, he just shows up. He just starts lying his ass off. He starts pulling out, you know, <laughs> a badge very quickly that people can't look at, uh, with too much, uh, inspection. And, you know, none of this stuff would be <laughs> admissible in court until someone shoots at him, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like Judge Reinhold, uh, you know, his, his character, Billy Rosewood, he's the one that you feel like is going to play the good cop that may believe in him. But Taggart, his partner, who's kind of the hard ass, the older guy, he also, like, when he sees reason to what Eddie Murphy's hero is presenting to him, he jumps they in. They actually listen to him. And I found that really refreshing. I, I, I had this, you know, I wrote the same thing down. Like, Lieutenant Bogomil, mm-hmm. they're their you know higher officer yeah. or whatever it is he is extremely rational mm-hmm. i mean he's by the book we don't uh circumvent warrants here in beverly hills right. and but he's like hey talk to me what evidence do you have what, what do you have that's driving you to this investigation yeah, he, he is he, empathetic I think he has the line where it's like to listen. forget you know what you uh, can prove just now like tell me what you know and then we'll work yeah. from there totally uh kind of throws a curveball to if you're a fan of like 80s cop movies mostly it's just hard asses just butting heads oh no that's it yeah that's the extent of it most of them are going to be like his boss in detroit (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know just barking at him and you know doing that thing who i read that was like an actual detective you know he's like actually a cop but you know most of the 80s cops are going to be like that the boss is going to be just on your ass but these dudes are like painted as Almost progressive in their their methodology, and of course, you know it ends in a big shootout. But that's more on the uh, it's more on the villains just being overreaching dumbasses. Like if you probably hadn't drawn guns on other cops, I don't know how they yeah. would have convicted you. But 
here we are. Uh, and the- Not just drawn guns, <laughs> but they went full 80s with the submachine gun, <laughs> yeah, the, put it on full automatic, their, their and just let it ride. Their version of a fortress, this like California mansion, which has different tiers and levels to oh, get yeah. to, to advance your position. I aspired for that as a young chap. Yeah, I I can definitely see the appeal, but I also feel like most of the time with these movies, my problem is usually going to be with the, the villains. Uh, because of that overreach. And they have to do that, right? Because otherwise our heroes can never actually <laughs> draw down on them and claim victory. Because they yeah. get so caught he, up in paperwork and, you know, it's, it's a boring movie. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the mustache twirling is kind of at a, at a pretty high rate here. You know what I mean? Um, I, I watch this movie and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking for the, the flaws in it. Obviously, this is the first time I watched this movie with sort of taking notes or in mental notes for like you're going to do a movie a podcast. podcast or, yeah. It's always been just a thing of enjoyment for me. It's always been just a good old time. I can recite the movie, the whole nine, but I don't see a moment even wasted in this movie. Like you, even the background characters of uh, Bronson Pinchot's making the expresso thing in the art gallery. He comes back, right? He's in the second one, I believe. Okay. He may even be in the third one. Because I felt like I remembered more scenes with him than what's presented here. So I must be mashing up you know, the entire Beverly Hills uh, mythology. Yeah, it, it could be. Uh, which that's, uh, that's also a trait of these type of movies, right? Like uh, Joe Pesci showing up again in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you make? Okay, so um, what about our female lead here? I don't know. I don't know who Lisa Albacher is. I, you know, I don't uh, recognize her. I, I, she retired or something or other because her, I look at her thing, her IMDb, and she stopped making anything in 1995. Um, I think she's fine. I think she's, she's very 80s. You know, she's just kind of there for them to, 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 um, banter off of, but she has a little bit of agency. She wants to be in the fray, but in the end, she ends up as a damsel in distress. So do you feel like she's in chemistry with Murphy? I, I almost think they're sort of because he he kind of has chemistry with everybody and you kind of see her sort of leaning that way, but then nothing comes of it. It's just they're really well, good yeah, friends, not, I guess. I don't, I don't mean like sexual chemistry because, yeah, they're supposed to be, uh, you know, the, the victim here that sets him on his quest is they're they're all mutual friends um, that, that grew up uh, together. Yeah. But I look at the. The dynamic, maybe not chemistry is the right word, but dynamic he has with Judge Reinhold as a sort of naive pushover who kind of likes that he gets to hang out with a cool guy for once. That you, you kind of get that vibe that even though he's supposed to initially, uh, be, you know, surveilling and, uh, somewhat over top of the Murphy character as far as getting him out of town, getting him out of their hair. He, he just enjoys this guy. He, he enjoys uh, the way he handles himself because you, you get the impression, certainly, that his version of Billy Rosewood uh, would never do any of those things. And, uh, yeah, I felt like maybe if I had to point out a weakness, it may be in the Jenny Summers character because I don't, I don't feel like their, uh, their dynamic fits that bill of like old friends that sort of just like ease back into like this sort of natural chemistry. Well, I mean, Judge Reinhold's character of Rosewood, he's uh, enjoyment incarnate. You know what I mean? Like he he sees Axel for the 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 almost the good time that he is, but you see him when he's like, "Oh wow, look, you brought me a big shrimp sandwich." <laughs> he 
<laughs> he just dives right in. This is a great thing. Why should we? Why turn it he, down? He is id, is what he is. You know, he just he, he empirically says that's a good sandwich. Let me eat that sandwich and have a good old time. What's wrong with this? Hey, let's go to the strip club. It's all right. Let's have a good time. He's fine. He just doesn't. He's like a child. He doesn't see it any other way. So it's hard to. Everybody's going to have chemistry with that guy. Um, poor Jenny. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's look, just kind of there. Uh, that's also like probably a product of the, the 80s, uh, right? And other time periods too, but certainly these type of 80s action movies. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that the the women are getting a lot to you know sink their teeth into as far as yeah. a, uh, yeah, a role. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Is there another woman character in this movie? <laughs> Uh, I mean, period, the, like full stop, the like, nasty, not even like a background player. Girls, I mean, they were <laughs> the <background laughs> yes, there is Michael Deniston. <laughs> Get on stage, lady. Do that dance for me. Even the uh, even the uh, the person at the register with the hotel room. There was one lady at the beginning says we don't have a room. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Reiser is like just the jerk in Detroit that just likes uh, to pick on. Axel Foley, he gets more than, I mean, I, I get a better read of their sensibilities with each other than I do with, with Jenny. The, even the simple line of where the guy, the guy, the cop, Inspector Todd turns to him and he yells at, at Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, this is not my locker. Like, Let's hear your side of the story. Hey, Axel. I'm not taking any more of this shit from you. Not much this little stunt of yours going to cost this city. I don't think cost is the issue here, sir. I think the issue should be my blatant disregard for proper procedure. You damn right, wise ass. The mayor called the chief. The chief called the deputy chief. The deputy chief just chewed my ass out. You see, I don't have any bit of it left, don't you? When the fuck did you get a truckload of cigarettes from anyway? From the Dearborn hijack. From the Dearborn hijack. That fucking bus went down last week. That truck is supposed to be in the damn pound. I'm trying to tell you. Jeffrey, this is none of your fucking business. This is not my locker. Listen, Axel. No more of these setups. You understand? It's You're just an extremely well-delivered line, thought-out moment and exit stage right. There he goes. It's perfect. That, that's a guy that clearly then was going to make a lot of money in syndication. He was going to be on a sitcom one day and... uh he, he got there. Uh, was it, well, my two dads? My two dads? Look it up. Is that what you're... I'm referencing Mad About You. What are you talking about? He was on a show called My Two Dads, wasn't he? Uh, is this before Mad, Mad About You? Sure. I think so. <laughs> All right. Now I don't... <laughs> I have to question... Um, yeah, I'm not seeing it. 87 to 1990, My Two Dads. It had like a oh, Kenny right. Loggins lookalike. Who's look in at the ca- Look at the Kenny La- Loggins lookalike. Oh my god! Oh wow! Jesus, look at that hair. I respect that. Looks kind of like you. I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> I so I actually watched the show as a kid. My two dads. So was this a ripoff of like uh, Three Men and a Baby or something? Sure, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I just remember, you know. We had three channels in my house. When Marcy Bradford so. dies, she leaves her teenage daughter Nicole in the custody of two ex-boyfriends: Michael, a straight-laced and formal man, and Joey, a wild artist. Oh, that's gonna play well in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever be referencing that again. Anyway, mad about you had uh, Helen Hunt, who you know she deserves her own uh, 
Dick Buckus was in 27 episodes of My Two Dads. How dare you disrespect it? I'm still going with uh, Helen Hunt. And I know your co-host, Barry, will uh, respect me on that. Didn't he? He'll respect anyone who's wearing a wet t-shirt. I believe he wanted to, you know, if he was doing programming this show now, he would have the, the first submission would be a Mount Rushmore of uh, tank top. Wet t-shirt. Tank top. I'm going to go tank top wears. And the reasoning would be because it's it's wet and it's Helen Hunt and what she's got. Jennifer Connelly in the movie where she's stuck in Target with uh, Frank Whaley. Stuck in Target. Which is, I, I probably know this by Jeff alone. Is she like a... Uh, Riding the little uh, horse thing. <laughs> you sick animal. <laughs> yes, that's the, the movie. <laughs> There's a movie attached to that? <laughs> uh, you know how I know that movie? It's got a really good song uh, that's attached to it. But, uh, Is it Nasty Girls? We really playing? Have- <laughs> Oh, you know, my Lord. What's going to happen is people are going to get to about the half hour mark. That's what the Skype call is at right now, just past the 30 minute mark. And they're going to wonder like, do these guys really want to put. Uh, Mount Rushmore of Eddie Murphy because now they're talking about women in tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus plays strikes back. <laughs> Career opportunities is what we're talking about. <laughs> Career opportunities. Very formative. So if you were uh, watching this back in December, early December 1984, uh, would you know that Eddie Murphy was going to go on to the career he had based off of Beverly Hills Cop. If we're presenting this as like the populist choice, this is where he broke out. It's the number one movie of the year. Uh, so it's kind of funky because it came out in December. Mm-hmm. So the numbers sort of bleed over. Right. So they don't count it. Like Ghostbusters is considered the number one movie of 84. Uh, I wish we could back, go back to those days when we, these were the movies that, that were tops mm-hmm. and not just people in underwear running around with capes. But um, uh, it's actually $4 million less than, than, Beverly Hills Cop, but it's the biggest movie of the, year, of the year. Number two, he's a monster on SNL at the time. He's everywhere. He's absolutely everywhere. I think absolutely you can see that he's going to be a huge star. He's He becomes the most bankable guy in Hollywood for a while. I mean, he's right there with Tom Cruise, in my opinion. So with that in mind, because I think you have the next selection here. Okay. What... What of all of his great success? What do you choose to put as the second face of Eddie Murphy on our Mount Rushmore for him? This is a very personal choice, okay. for me, right? So this is extremely personal. That I like. Uh, he's got so many hits, right? He, mm-hmm. He's got so many great movies. I'm trying to put you behind but, the eight ball here with that that <laughs> transition there. So much box office success, and what does Hyrule go with? But this is just about box office, right? This is the Mount Rushmore, right? If if we just counted everything to be about money, then you know we'd go Shrek with one through four. Shrek, we'd be sitting here talking about. Man, he really played that ass pretty well. He does a great ass. Nasty girls. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about Boomerang. I I can't wait. I'm excited for this. I have a feeling that we will actually uh, get to talk about uh, the dynamic between men and women. Uh, much more as a plot point uh, with this one. I, this is something you've tried to get me to watch. It was on sale on iTunes a couple times for four ninety nine, and I said, "Nah, not worth it. Don't need it." Uh, to troll you, and you know, it kept five bucks in my pocket. But now, uh, so we're jumping ahead to nineteen ninety two. Do I have that correct? Uh, I believe so. so. You're taking us out of the eighties to the early nineties, but we are going a different direction because this would be in the rom com fold correct 
No action. Yes. At least no gunplay, I assume. No. No, there's no gunplay. Lots of sexuality. I mean, we can still get some of that. Um, not a lot of nudity. That's unfortunate. Man, it's thir- now it's thirteen ninety nine. Fuck. Uh, let me see. For our listeners, is it streaming anywhere? Do you have Just Watch Up? That's the go-to. I will do it right now. Oh, it's on Sling. Sling. Okay, never mind. It shows that you can buy it for two ninety nine on Amazon. That's probably rental price, right? Or is it? No, it says buy. SD. Let me see. Is it an HD? Uh, HD. It's three ninety nine. Oh no, that's so uh, sorry. It's a different boomerang. When filmmaker <laughs> Akar Nandi decides to drink the film. <laughs> 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 Trying to do to me here.